what a special podcast we have for you. We are actually going to be posting this right after the general session at the Sports Surf Managers Association, where I was been lucky enough to be a part of with such incredible people. Uh, we have Miss At Miss Abby McNeil of the City of Denver Parks and Rec. Uh, we have Dr. Sorokin on from the Tennessee Turfgrass Program uh, to discuss our general session of the labor of love. And we took the time to do a podcast beforehand uh, to really see what we were going get, to get into when it came to the topic of, again, sort of the future of our industry and how we all have a passion for what we do in this industry. And it truly shows through their words and their, their work and everything they've done in this industry over the years to see how far they've come and to see what their impact has been and to be able to discuss it with them was such an honor. And I truly can't thank them enough for taking the time and sharing their their passion of being a turfy and really showing how there are so many incredible opportunities for the people of the younger generation, students like mine. And truly, we are so excited to be able to share the general session, the labor of love here on our podcast in our classroom and our Tiger Turf Talk studio. It has been truly an honor to have them on. We can't thank Abby and John enough for taking the time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tiger Turf Talk. Good afternoon and welcome to this very special podcast of Tiger Turf Talk. I'm your host, Drew Miller. Today we have on some incredible guests that are actually going to be uh, at savannah georgia for the sports turf manager association conference at the general session known as the labor of love today we have dr john sorokin of tennessee turf grass and mrs abby mcneil of the city of denver parks and rec how are you guys doing today doing well, well thank you that's great it's great news so with this podcast we really get into sort of every different aspect of the turf industry and what you guys have done um, but obviously we're talking about, we're going to be discussing sort of the labor of love and what turf is and how people have gotten involved and all these different things of what's the next generation and how are we going to bring the next generation into this industry? Sort of where I want to start is what brought you guys to turf grass, you know, with all these different opportunities, there's very unique ways to get into it, whether it's by accident, whether it's on purpose whether it was from your program, John, or different ways in through there. So um, I'm sort of curious how you guys got into it, you know, um, and what that story was like. Um, Dr. Sorokin, if you want to start. Yeah, well, it's a long, long, long time ago <laughs> that I got into it, it feels like now. And uh, I originally, I grew up in Canada in Calgary, and my neighbor went to Michigan State, and he went through the, the turf program there and the eighties actually, and started working for Robert Trent Jones, um, living in, um, Spain, building and designing golf courses. And I, I stayed with him for a week when I was backpacking through Europe. And I thought that would be a great life to live. And, and this was the late eighties, early nineties. Um, and I went back and I wanted to be a golf course architect. So I went, worked on a golf course. I didn't like going to university of Calgary. And so I'm studying political science and geology at the time. And, uh, I, Went to Michigan State, transferred to Michigan State. And uh, when I was there, um, starting in the turf management program, the golf turf management program is when the World Cup soccer in 1994 was announced to be in the U.S. And this is 1991, 92. 
And I got to work for Dr. Trey Rogers um, doing research, trying to figure out how can we put grass inside for the first time ever for a World Cup soccer game in the Pontiac Silverdome. And that got me into sports turf and doing research. And it's been all down or uphill since there. Um, that's got me into sports and doing doing all of that. So come a long ways since then. And I've been at UT for 20 years now. So I love the down and uphill, you know, you got to include both of them, right? Yeah. It's a roller coaster. So how about you, Ari? How did you get interested in sports surf? Um, well, I remember when John was a grad student because I was in college at the same time and I was excited to hear what they were trying to do, but what grabbed me in turf grass and, and this is a, a moment that I, I couldn't draw trees well. I went to Colorado State University. I knew I liked landscaping and I thought I could be um, a landscape horticulturalist where I could learn and to plant and draw things. My first uh, landscape design class, freshman year, first semester, all that jazz, I got told by the professor that wrote the book and knows how to draw trees really well that I can't draw trees really, really well. And so here I am thinking that, you know, I'm a pretty good drawler and all that, get told no. So I just shift concentrations and stay in the landscape horticulture and looked at my other two options underneath that newest turf grass. I was like, all right, I'm game. And then um, kind of got into it with uh, Dr. Koski. And it was the same time as the early 90s going through um, everything, heard the stuff that was happening with the World Cup, was super interested. I probably still have some articles that John was a part of with Dr. Rogers, um, which is dating us. You got some old timers now on this, uh, this show. Uh, but yeah, I mean, even then it, it kind of just stuck. I mean, it's, I don't have a good story other than I, I couldn't draw trees. So I went to turf. I mean, <laughs> Hey, that sounds impressive. I ever brought you here. Right. You know, yep. um, with that, again, you, I've seen a few presentations at STMA over the years. Uh, this is back when I was a student. Um, what you do is beyond incredible because of the, how large and how much you cover, um, and Dr. Sorokin with your classes and all that you've done to impact this industry. Could you guys sort of discuss again, sort of the labor of love and actually how it truly is something that you have to be passionate about in order to be successful and really, uh, enjoy it with your career and make it your career the way you guys have over the past 20 years, you guys were saying, uh, Abby, if you want to start. Yeah. I mean, to me, it, turf grass grabbed me just as much as I, I jumped into it. Um, I look at some of the, the opportunities and challenges that I know I've overcome or been a part of. Um, it's, it's, it's what made me who I am today, but it, it is what it drew my passion out more. Um, really being told, you know, you can't make that happen. Like, like Dr. Sorokin said of let's, let's grow grass indoors. And everybody's like, no, they probably still would tell you no, but look at what we're doing. Um, you know, the first time I was responsible for a stadium and I got a chance to host a wedding, a soccer game and a concert in under 36 hours and pull it off and still have grass living, let alone myself standing up was, 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 was overcoming. So it's the passion that drove me through all that. It's the, you know, so to me, it keeps building and, um, finding ways to never say no to something, looking at ways of, yes, we can get it done. We will find a way, we'll forge a path. That just brings even more out to me. So I think sometimes the harder the challenge, the more driven I am. Um, I think a lot of sports surf managers are that way. Um, I used to call us, we're elf and magic. Stuff happens overnight and nobody knows how it happens. All of a sudden you got a football field, right? Or all of a sudden this happens. Um, and they just don't always understand what we do 
yet we count every blade of grass and, and, and that's important to us. I remember the early in my career, and I'll pass this to John here in a sec, I got, I was really, you know, very anal about making sure the height of cut was right. And I was down on the ground trying to measure it right. And I probably looked, you know, just geeky out with a, with a ruler and trying to get it all right. I look back on that and I was like, what the heck was I thinking? It's just grass, just mow it. It's what they want, you know, nobody's going to come and see that it's right at this, you know, two inches or whatever it was. So yeah, to me, that's, that's what it is. It's just the fun of it. And the, you know, the science, the ever evolving of, of you, you, you put one thing in, you get something out and you know why one thing changes something else. So to me, it's, it's the change. It's the challenge. That's what drives my to keep wanting to do it. I think the real simple answer is and short answer is I'm a turfy. And if, People don't know what a turfy is. They're in the wrong industry or they're not in the industry. As soon as I meet students, you know, you know if they're a turfy or not. And it's what I do every day is not a job. It's I, something I love to do, um, whether I'm a glutton or whatever. But the, uh, you know, the passion of being in turf grass industry, whether it's looking after a sports field or even teaching it now and, and having students, recruiting students and, and teaching them is it's, it's what it's all about. And it's, it's such a fun, passionate, crazy group of people, I guess, uh, that all share a same goal and interest. And, you know, everyone like, and when I said turfy, both of you guys just were just nodding your heads. Cause that's, that's what it is. And I can see students early on knowing that they're going to be in the industry five, 10, 15, 20 years from now. Cause that's what they are. They, they, they live it. And they've got other friends that are undergrads in different disciplines and, you know, maybe doing something that's going to be a eight to five job or nine to five job, five days a week and making a lot more money, even knowing that that's not what their passion is. They want to be either a golf course superintendent or a sports field manager. And that's, that's what the passion is. Um, I, I think it's, it's pretty easy that way to, to say that about the industry, I give my student evaluations in my intro to turf class. And I always love some of the, the comments that come back is, um, there's more to the world than turf grass sometimes that <laughs> I get a response from students or they just say he's very passionate about what he's teaching. And I, and I think that's, you know, as I feel older and I've been in it seasoned, it's uh, you know, I can still carry that torch and still have that same passion it shows me that it's not a job. It's uh, it's uh, definitely something I love to do. Absolutely. And I, and with you, uh, my favorite thing right now is again, the education part, you know, seeing, those kids and seeing the turfies, as you say, I need to start using that by the way. Um, <laughs> but being able to see again, that passion sort of come out of them, you know, especially with my kids being so young, you know, being in high school, it's just sort of like, it's sort of a different way, you know, cause I, I remember in college seeing the guys that I went to school with and what they did and how they're golf course superintendents now and whatnot. But for a teenager to figure it out and really put 110 percent that's it's just it's means everything to me in the world so it's definitely rewarding in that aspect um so again one of the biggest things that i think um golf course superintendents and again sports turf managers even landscape uh managers we are in a time frame where we're sort of in need again of skilled labor next generation that next turfy you know um how do you guys sort of see that coming to fruition and finding those people and those turfies that are again across the country and they don't even know that they are because they haven't been afforded the opportunity to know that this is a career, you know, um, what do you think is going to be the best way of sort of finding those 
next sports turf manager, the next generation of turf grass manager? And how do you think we can sort of bring that to the forefront of, again, our industry? Whoever wants to go first on this. <laughs> I, I can go, and it's. I think uh, you kind of you hit it on the head when you talked about getting to the students early. Um, when you talk about it, high school and seeing that passion early, um, we've done pre-COVID. We we would have what we call a STEM day, a, a, a turf grass STEM day, and we'd bring high school kids, and they'd be from freshmen through seniors um, to to university and to our research center, and we'd show them how both sports turf and golf turf management and how you can apply science, technology, engineering, and math or steam, if you want to include agriculture in there. Um, you know, whether it's measuring the surface area of a, of a, of a putting green to how much percent area volume of sand are you going to need to put when you top dress and gallons of paint or measuring it. And we, we do our testing devices where we drop the Clegg hammer or something on a sports field or drop soccer ball or launch soccer balls. Um, and we've done that and we've had high school students and we've gotten them early and you, you identify those surfies. There might be 30 kids that come and one of them is that turfy that's in there, but you know, we've done it as many as seven high schools in one year came and did it. And we've, we've gotten, you know, five to nine students that way, just from that one year into our program. So it's, it takes a lot more effort from our end to try to recruit that way. I think there's gotta be other, other ways of, getting people interested in the industry. And, you know, one of it is, is, is increasing the value and the, the professionalism of the industry and, and the importance of it, for sure. Um, you go to English Premier League soccer games, for instance, and you go and you look at halftime and the staff are out there walking, filling divots now at halftime, but they're, they're dressed in suits during the game. You know, it's, it's just that level of professionalism that they're bringing. Um, and I think, if we can emphasize that this is a profession that that's that's, and there's a career that can be done in it. Um, we need to also let the cities and parks and municipalities and school systems know that, you know, you got to pay for educated people to, to do this work as well. Couldn't agree with you more on that. I will say though, it's very hard to do the work in a suit. That would be very difficult. It is, <laughs> it is. Uh, but that's that's not the, the hard work, right? No, you know, absolutely. It's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's that that's, half time presenting the, yourself, all right, showing guys, your visibility. I'm here. Showing that I'm you're here. professional. Yeah, ex exactly. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> and uh, the the fact again, like you say, there's you get one kid out of those 35. I mean, I have over 200 students in my program, and if we get six in one class, you know, like what in senior level class, that's huge, you know, because again, that's a, that's a dent that wasn't there before or kids that wouldn't have joined the industry and wouldn't have had again, a huge impact. Uh, I had a student, she is at Virginia tech right now. She just finished this past summer working for the Steelers, you know, and the, the, she's making moves to again, try and gain sort of traction in the NFL and become a NFL head groundskeeper one day. So Things like that, again, we don't really see that that often. Um, right. And being able to have those two kids, again, take that sort of further on and further our industry in the future, you know, is mm -hmm. huge. So Definitely. What are your thoughts, Abby, on the, again, finding that next generation? Yeah. What was interesting is two days ago, I, I got a, um email notification of a um, from my daughter's uh, eighth grade class that they were doing a, a 
exposure, like a STEM exposure to a career. And it was um, transportation and construction. And it's exactly, I was like, why aren't we doing one for turf? Exactly what John just said. And it's like, if we don't put it out there that it's there, they're not going to know it. And, and I understand that's a lot of work on our part, but our industry is only as good as the next group behind us. And so we have to find a way to really drill it down and show that it's useful. My kids definitely know it's useful. I mean, when they're dealing with geometry, I was like, I use it every day, you know, and I was proving the point that I use it every day. And I may not be able to do the new math, but I know the math I need to do to do my job, right? Um, anybody who's a parent knows the new math, so you might know it through being in high school or, you know. Calculus so is not math, people. Let me tell you that right no. now. <laughs> no, I know my math and that's what I know and I get my answer. I think, you know, just we've got to let people know it's there and that, you know, go grab them and, and you can't make a turfy, but go grab them and try to show them what they could do if they were in here. And if they dip their toe in the water with the right organization or the right experience, um, it's going to take them places. So, I mean, it's a lot of hours, but I think at the end of the day, we have a lot of fun doing our job too. So it's, it's just knowing that it's there. Yeah. And I, that's, that's one of the biggest things is just exposure is like the little things that you can do to, again, sort of, We've I've talked with multiple people, whether it's going to be like signage from STMA, putting it at like complexes or different areas where they can put up uh, sports turf manager and more again, sort of, and I'm not going to say NFL, MLB stadiums, but again, even things like that, where like you see that they're like, wait a second, what is that? You know, like finding places to put things where they know who we are. And like Dr. Sorokin said about professionalism and, again, sort of showcasing those people. I know Grounds Managers Association did this uh, week where they highlighted all these different industry professionals uh, on Twitter and different social media platforms. Little things like that, I think, could really make a, a big impression, again, on sort of the overall outlook of our industry, you know. And the other thing that I think would be huge is getting professional athletes to recognize the work of what our groundskeepers do, you know, um, I'm probably said this like a hundred times, but they're the first line of defense when it comes to the health and safety of the million dollar investment they make in their quarterbacks or their players, you know, like you got to understand that even with artificial turf fields, you're talking about people who are taking care of those investments that again are invaluable when you talk about $500 million for one player. Um, little things can be shown through again, those athletes advocating for us, which I don't know how we make that connection, but if someone could somehow, that would be pretty incredible. Um, but even at the, again, the parks and rec level, just having the awareness again, there are so many people that you service in Denver that don't understand the work that goes into maintaining your, their fields. And again, the number of fields you're maintaining is just, it blows my mind, you know? Um, and for them to know that you're, you and your crew do so much work for them and allow them to have memories and create this place and this space that, again, will change their lives for the better. Um, certain things that we need to do to sort of, again, bring that to the forefront of the communities, like just in community centers, maybe like posting something about it, posting jobs in there, different things like that, I think could be a big attribute to it. So I'm going to stop babbling now. So <laughs> um, with all of that, 
you obviously have younger people working for you. Obviously, Dr. Shrock, and you work with the younger generation uh, through your work. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges you face when it comes to that next generation of sports manager that are on staff? And how do you sort of ensure that you get quality work while sort of, again, bringing their attention to the opportunity of a career in the industry? Uh, Abby, if you want to start off. I didn't have my thoughts together. Um, can you repeat the question? Absolutely. Um, sort of the aspect of, again, the younger generations who are working for you now, who are on staff, what are some of the challenges you face with, again, making sure that, that it's quality work that they're doing while, again, gaining sort of an interest of being that next generation of uh, the yeah. industry? I'm, I'm fortunate enough that... Um, the athletic field crew that we've got here, our, our seasonal staff, um, at least several of them have promoted from within to full-time jobs underneath that same athletic crew. Um, and then we have a returning core of about six guys that just like making a difference in their backyard. Um, the one gentleman who's now up to a crew supervisor, um, this is his second step of a full-time job um, he's a long-term Denver resident. He loves making a difference in his community. He's very passionate about it. And I've brought him to STMA once and he was just blown away at all these people that are, have the same passion as him. So just exposure to it and, and getting him there. I thought I was going to lose him in the welcome reception just because he's like, Oh my God, all these people are turfies. Right. And, and he's like, I'm around other like people. What do I do? I and mean, he was just like, definitely out of his element, but embracing it all. I, you know, I think it's just, go out and make a difference. I mean, that's what I preach to them is every day we make a difference. Um, you know, we, most of these guys are working really day to day in our, um, on our ball field crew. I mean, we also do installations and painting all over the place, but I get overwhelmed every time I look at how many numbers we have, I get overwhelmed at what that staff does. And I get to sit back and just give them the tools to be successful. But these guys have embraced this program and built it to where it is today. And, they have every year they make a difference in something every year they tweak it and they tweak it with the returning guys. And so it's self-evolving in how they're developing it within themselves. And then they teach the new guys. And then those guys become that next group. And our returning group continues to be very solid at six to seven returning on the seasonal staff, which makes our program, which then makes the fields better. I mean, it's just that investment turning around They have a lot of fun together. Um, just a great group of people. I mean, I don't, we're, we're blessed that we grabbed a few here and there and then they brought their buddy along and it just grows. And anytime they have a chance, I want nothing more than to find them a full-time job. Even if it's not here, they will take the memories that they had here and go make it wherever it is. We had a guy leave, go to college. It wasn't working out for him, came back a year and a half later. This is the job he wanted. It's a seasonal job. It's nine and a half, 10 months a year is what I can guarantee him. He didn't want to go get a full-time job somewhere else because he wants to come back here. And I was like, well, it's your life decision, but he likes what he's doing. So it's, it's, it's just investing in them as, as they're giving it back to me and our program. That's the biggest thing for me. Drew, I, I guess I look at what skill sets or qualifications are lacking, and I, I look at it as that's that's kind of my job is to I be able to identify that because I've I've got them at the early age, so I can 
hopefully send them to to Abby or or someone else to to hire them and help prepare them to to strengthen those skill sets or or qualifications. And um, the big thing is, is I really push our students to get as much work experience as possible. They can learn as much in the classroom as they want, but getting that hands-on practical experience. And, you know, when I was a student, you always heard the older people say, oh, this generation can't do it. And then you hear people today say, no, this new generation can't do it. It's, it's not that they don't have it. And if they're turfy, they have the work ethic. It's just that you got to motivate them and look at them differently in some aspects. Um, make sure that they're not buried in their phone on TikTok or Snapchat. Um, you know, for me, it was, I don't know what it was, but it wasn't TikTok and Snapchat back in those days. It was happy hours probably, but <clears throat> nothing wrong with that. No. So, you know, it's, it's just trying to find them, getting that experience that the hands-on experience. And, you know, we're, we're really fortunate at the university of Tennessee, our, our athletic department will hire any of the students that come through, come to them. Um, myself, my colleagues, um, Jim Braz and Brandon Horvath will hire students to come get experience working for us hourly. Our golf practice facility, the city of Knoxville, uh, Phil Hatcher hires and he's, they're flexible with our students. So getting that real world experience in addition to what they're learning at the school is important. Um, we've, I've told all the students when they get there and they get to where they're set and Abby could probably see this growing the grass is the easiest part of her job. It's how well does she motivate her crew? How does she identify them and get them to do things to deal with administration, to justify why she's doing what she's doing? So that's, that's what I, we try to prepare our students at the same time is thinking like that management and dealing with people, whether you got to learn Spanish or Spanglish, um, whatever it is, you know, that's, those, those are the things. So I think the skill sets and qualifications is kind of, like you drew is our job to identify those and, and put them on that trajectory that when, when we hand them off to, you know, the golf course superintendent or the sports field manager to hire them for the first time that they can continue to learn from them, from them as well, because they're part of a team and a system. Absolutely. And I, I can't agree with you more on the getting out there and experience in the field. You know um, I always talk about, again, whether it's my class or whether it was when I was at tech, I always learned more again, not more in the sense of like science and understanding and, and all the reasons for what we do. Uh, like you said, growing grass is pretty simple when you at the basic knowledge of it, you know, it's understanding how to operate things. It's understanding how to use certain ma machines, how to safely operate, um, which is it's sort of when I took my job at this high school, I wanted to incorporate both, you know, to sort of, again, give them the understanding of why we do things, but I also want them to understand every safety aspect of every machine that you could possibly put a young worker on. And then when they got more advanced and as we've grown, we've been able to add machines that are a little bit more, again, more skill set and more, again, you wouldn't want to put a high school on, but again, in our time in our program, we're able to educate them how to properly again, operate these machines, but be able to have them walk on the job the first day and say, Oh, it's okay. I know how to do this. You know, and that's where I think the the gap between, again, industry professionals hiring younger individuals and having concerns and programs like ours can sort of fill that gap of worry and concern and just understand it's like, okay, now I need to know what level you're at and when, when we need to start educating you how to properly use these things. Because again, if you know all this stuff, we're going to use you. You're going to do a lot more. And that allows them to advance more on those jobs, you know. 
Uh, I know a lot of professionals will put a kid on a weeder the entire summer because they don't really understand that they want to do more or they can trust them to do more. So I think that's where we fix that issue of, again, return uh, and retention of students in the industry um, by having them a little bit more prepared when they enter the workforce, you know? Um, And I don't remember who it was, but the question that I have now is, what are some of the biggest motivators that you guys have for, again, students or young workers to, again, have them to continue to have that passion and be a turfy, you know, and work to become better each and every day? Um, John, if you want to start off with that. Um, well, I guess it's just, it's the, like I said when I first said it, the students are in it because they love it. And so I think that they're pretty good at self-motivating and it's just a matter of identifying you know, what, what, what takes for each person individually, whether people, everyone learns differently, everyone gets motivated differently. And just like, you know, Abby had mentioned taking someone to the show, getting, getting people, letting them know they're important is the key and, and showing the value, but also being a disciplinarian, you, you know, as, as their, as their advisor or their boss, you're, you're, you, you can't be their best friend. You, you've got to be, be their leader. Um, and a good leader, I think is one that puts trust and dependence in them, but also has the accountability. So, and when people are given those responsibilities, I think that that can be self-motivating and, you know, and it doesn't always work, but that's where this sorts out the turfies and the non-turfies because people that want to be in this industry are going to be successful and, and will be in it. And it's, it's really, they motivate themselves. I find. I, I agree. And I just want I want somebody who's coming that wants to work and I'm, I'm going to get the best out of them, but I'm going to give them a fun environment to work in the best that I can. I want them to be safe. I mean, we're entrusting somebody to take a truck and trailer and all the tools they need and go pretty much work most of the time on in, independent. They got a list, they're par- partnered up with maybe a returning person that, that knows the drill and, and do and does that. But I take time to meet them. I mean, our full-time staff, kind of runs a, a, a field day like training session. And I make it a point to go be there and show them that I might be the boss, but I can get down and dirty with them too. And I work side by side with them. I try to go see them out in the field throughout the first couple of months that they're here. I stop in during morning meetings and get to know them. But, you know, I, I applaud them for the job that they're doing, the difference that they're making in, in our community. Um but at the end of the day, John, it's, it's, it's just that I'm not their friend. I'm there to, I will invest in you if you give back the investment that I'm asking you to do. And so, you know, knowing that line and, you know, when we have to have a hard team discussion, we have it. I mean, it's, I, I tell everybody on my teams, it starts and stops with me. If there's an issue, then I haven't done my job and I own it at the top and I'm honest with them about it. I've told all of them, you know, pretty much as we, as our budget gets down at the end of the year, those that are the most experienced and the most give back and will pretty much do anything that's asked of them and they're most our returners, they could stay the longest. I mean, that's, that's it. We're going to invest in you and keep you the longest I possibly can due to budget, but that's not the only carrot. If they, if they advance somewhere or put their name in the hat, I will do all that I can, whether it's an internal position or an external position to back them as much as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm going to be there for them through all the situations that they're faced with positive and negative, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I want them to know I'm, I'm along for the ride for their, their career while they're with me, whatever that career is. If they want to go be a barbecue chef, I'm going to give them something that gives them the paycheck to buy the tools for their barbecue. You know, that's the way I look at it is find your, 
it goes back to what you asked. It's find your passion. I'm going to be along to help support whatever their passion is as, as best as I can while they're with me. Right. And you're not asking them to do something you haven't already done before or wouldn't still do, right? Yes. And I keep doing a lot of that stuff to re it's not, it's more just as just as a change of pace. You know, yeah. I mean I <laughs> Or for your own sanity. There's nothing like getting on a mower and just yeah. putting the headphones on the headphones on and just Yeah, go spin a ball field, go go walk and pick trash. I mean, there isn't anything that I wouldn't do to take that mental break from some of the stuff that we're faced with in our office space, but just trying to be available to all my team, to whatever I can do to help them. And I make that very clear throughout the year while they're with us. Uh, And I honestly think that will, again, that was for what was for me was the fact that my mentors and my boss is led by example, you know, that, that, pushed me to try and be as good as they could be, you know? And I think that, that turfies, again, the word, we're going to make shirts, by the way, we're going to do that. Um, <laughs> that is what motivates the most out of your workers and your students and your kids. You know, it's, it's something again of a, okay, I want to be able to, again, say that I did as much as they did. I want to say that I can do what they do because they taught me through their own practices and their own work. That's going to make the biggest difference. And that's how you retain workers. And that's how you bring new students into this industry, you know? Um, cause I've heard stories about different kids who are like, I got really turned off cause my boss was just terrible. They didn't like me. They didn't let me do anything other than the little stuff, the, the crap jobs and all that. And I'm like, I was lucky with my bosses that they never did that. And they always provided me more opportunities to learn, you know, and the fact that you're standing by them, no matter what they want. And again, as a teacher, it's something that we do, you know, just, we want kids to be successful with whatever they want to do. Right. So we're going to help them any way that we can. And I couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, and to sort of go along with that. Um, and we sort of talked about this a little bit, but do you think that there's really anything that we can bring to the table that will bring more uh, sort of attract more and recruit more people into the industry as a whole this is one of the questions from uh, the lot. So um I'm not really sure what more other than what we sort of discussed, but is there anything else that you guys can think of that again would sort of make our industry more of an attractive piece? I know the big one in my classroom is the job outside and something different than the nine to five job. Um, But I think the professionalism aspect, I, I couldn't agree more on that. Was there anything else that we could really bring in that would again, make it more potential for more workers to join our industry? I, I think, uh, you know, one of it is pay, obviously, because, you know, you can work hard and work, do a lot of things, but you got to be rewarded in some aspect. And, you know, there's a there's a there's a part to it. Um, we've kind of capitalized on a crisis with COVID, in, at least on the golf industry side. There's a shortage of people, but golf is booming. And my students graduating, you know, that are in the golf side are getting great jobs and great pay. I, it's not as great on the sports field side and we need to get that sports field side up. And I think it's, we've got to find a way to validate, publicize the importance of sports field managers and people in the sports field industry. Cause when you talked about earlier and it's the professional athletes, I think it's more equally important. I won't say more cause I represent the NFL players association, um, but it's equally important to, for the, or more really the children. K through 12 children playing sports and they're on fields that are being used sun up to sundown 
they may not have the insurance or the tra- they definitely don't have the trainers and doctors to treat them if they get injured. So uh, the accessibility that professional athletes do. So I think emphasizing the value and the importance of a sports field manager from the city park and rec to the professional level is vital. And whatever avenues we, we need to go through to get that, that's, that's what we need to be doing. Our challenges along, that's, I think the next five, 10 year plan is how do we promote and, visual, and increase the visibility of the sports field managers so that the cities in their, in their budgets actually put a real budget in or the school systems put a real budget in to the money would pay for itself. I've, I've worked with, with city municipalities that wanted to hire someone that they wanted to hire someone at a really low rate, hourly rate to look after 30 fields in an expensive camp, like city system. And criteria was a high school education and able to lift 50 pounds. Well, if they hired an educated turf person from our program, they would save them so much money off their budgets and what they're doing wrong on their sports field management that it, it pays off in the long run anyways. But we've got to get that message out there. That's, that's what I think. I, I agree with you, John. I mean, our usage in our spaces, whether it was our um, park system or our trails, just exponentially went out of the route. I mean, open spaces is, is where what COVID told us we could be okay in. And everybody wanted to be outdoors. I mean, Colorado, naturally, everybody's outdoors all the time. I mean, it's 20 degrees outside and snow and sunny. People are outside. I mean, that's just what it is. But I think some of the, you know, fun messaging that STMA did that we'll be here when you're ready to come back. I think that is a good marketing tool that we need to get out even further. And I can't remember, it was a snippet video kind of thing that they put together and it was promotional, but we need to promote that, whether it's at the school district level that handled all of the changes in the sports schedules. And now all of a sudden you're playing later in the year, but your field isn't ready. I mean, your football season got pushed a month and a half or whatever, or, you know, but those fields were playable because they had a sports surf manager. Um, We fluctuated with our season schedule as rec sports up, you know, participation was allowed to happen, then couldn't happen. What was the city letting to happen and the risk involved, whether it was youth sports or adult sports coming back on play. And we're going to stair step it instead of playing four fields, we're going to play two and we're going to keep them apart. I mean, our rec team did a great job trying to give people outlets. And then we were a part of that. Um, Early on in COVID in 2020, the biggest thing I learned is I had to justify why I was keeping people here. When everybody got sent off and layoffs were happening, I did all I could to keep my core staff here. And I actually flipped it. I said, let's take this opportunity while we're figuring this pandemic out and let's do good. And we went and touched two thirds of our fields that we never would have gotten to and made improvements and improved safe spaces. And so I was using all of my knowledge that I knew. I was using the literature that STMA was putting out and writing almost weekly justifications to keep 10 seasonals here. Yet at the drop of the hat, we were ready to go set up a a, a shelter for a rec center. I had 10 people I could shift off of that field because that was a higher priority for the city services. So I tried to spin it to keep people for the good of everything, for the good of what the city was trying to do to support its citizens, but, you know, improve outdoor spaces for everybody. I think we have to try to capture all of those stories that all of us have learned from the last year and a half, two years, and keep marketing it and getting it out there. And that, you know, we are a part of our system. If they don't see the good that our turf managers are, did 
in the last year and a half, then, then they, then they missed the mark of what we did on behalf of, you know, our citizens, wherever we were at to support what we provided them. So. Especially yeah. in your space, you know, when we, when you're talking about golf, like Dr. Rockin was, everybody went golfing. This was one of the only things you could do. Your space was one of the only spaces you could actually go out and be outside, you know, and not be stuck in a room, you know? Um, so yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on that. One thing that I, I've heard through the grapevine, there's a lot of people not in our industry that are starting to figure out that we are necessities to be successful. And one I think is minor league baseball. They're recognizing that a lot of the people that are being hired as assistant uh, assistants and all the different places, they don't have certifications or, or even a college degree, you know, and they're expecting all these high standards now that the MLB is in charge of them, that I think that this is a t very critical time for our industry, just making sure they're aware that yes, we need more people to be able to work on these facilities that you're underpaying them and you're expecting them to do all this work while again, underpaying people is not going to bring more people. So they're going to have to understand that more money needs to be put into it. And I think a lot of the minor minor league baseball and I mean, NFL players association with natural grass, there are so many different things that in this time frame there are points to be made. And if we are able to sort of show what we do and be able to say, Hey, you can't do this without us. You need to be able to understand that we should be a little bit higher on a rung. You know, it's important to understand that sports turf managers are the ones that do all this work from the professional level, all the way down to the parks and rec level. Um, the other thing at the high school level, and again, please, nobody come after me for saying this, but one of the biggest issues we have is, School systems think that 1.6 million for artificial turf field is the end all be all, you know, like, hey, I don't have to touch it anymore. We're good. Whatever. You know, my issue and I brought this up with my own county, we actually we were told it was going on our game field. And I was like, well, if that's happening, I can't work here anymore because you just are taking away our classroom. So like, oh, you can work on everything else. I was like, that's not the point. Like. So we got to the point where it's going on our practice field, one of our practice fields. So thank God for that. But I, there's a, a way that high school systems could set up where there could be a certified sports field manager or two per county that are in charge of all the nutrient management plans for however many high schools they have. We have 14 high schools and 20 odd middle schools that again, lower grade is not is a high need when it comes to high schools, but Installing natural grass fields, having an assistant athletic director on the grounds to do all the painting, all the basic stuff, mowing, all that. And you're talking about that 1.6 carrying you past the 10 years while paying a person, paying for all the needs, paying for all materials. And you're still saving like, again, half a million dollars after those 10 years that again, with all of that, it's a model that works better. <laughs> It's a model where we're bringing more people into the industry. And again, just overall, it's safer for the players, you know? Um, and I feel like that's probably one of our biggest, like tooting our own hordes is it's player safety, you know, is without us, there is no safety for the players. I know the uh, NFL players association is a big thing is about the natural grass versus artificial turf, you know, surfaces. So Right now, I feel like there's that time frame. And again, you said since COVID hit, that's probably one of the biggest parts of what we can do to sort of bring it to the forefront, you know? 
Um, but again, I'm going to stop babbling. So. <laughs> no, Drew, you're spot on. I use safety every time I justified why we were keeping people to help renovate our fields. And we do all of our in-house reno- renovations of our fields in-house. We were touching um, our lower level fields. So we have A, B, and C systems. And in our C fields, we were touching them twice a month when normally we might get to them once a month. We were going in and making sure the lip was done. We were renovating them with the tools and resources we have. So we got to expose some of our seasonal staff with the bigger picture because we weren't out painting soccer fields weekly like we needed to, you know, managing that. We could put them someplace else, teach them a new trade, see the investment, we actually, I use safety to help justify why we were doing it because we're finally, we're going to take this opportunity to turn good. That's what I walked on to my team. I said, let's figure this out. Let's make a plan and go after it to see how many fields we can touch more, more readily, more frequently, get the rocks out of them. I mean, a lot of these fields have never been touched to the level we did since they were built and they're 15 to 20 years old. So that to me was my moment of using safety to spin it around, to make something positive out of a pandemic that was, you know, just weighing on everybody. And now we raised the level of so many fields because we took that time to do it. And now we just sustain it. I mean, so it, it was the biggest positive and the guys that were uplifted about it. They were so excited because the field conditions changed right before it and they were a part of it. So it worked twofold for me. I feel, and I, again, that's again, another motivator for all of it. That's just, it's awesome to see, you know, it's, it's the fruit of your labor. And that's why, again, we call it a labor of love, you know, it's being able to have that moment when you're done, you know, and I think that's the biggest thing with my kids is with our classroom, we're taking care of our fields, like a facility, you know, having the ability to show up on Friday night at a football game. Like I did that. That was me just so you know, and they're telling their friends and all that and being able to have that moment is really cool. So, um, Dr. Schrock, and I think you were talking about this a little earlier, but with generations and with different groups, you know, especially now, uh, we're dealing with a whole different ball game when it comes to the younger generation, especially in high school right now, who just lived through a pandemic. It's still a pandemic. Sorry. Don't nobody come after me for that. Um, (laughs) but, they're in such a state with, again, emotional stress. They've been locked in a room for a year. They're coming back for the first time. Our biggest thing in high school is everyone saying the freshman students are seventh graders. They haven't been in the classroom for two years. So they're seventh graders coming into your classroom. So you need to understand that. So what have you seen and what have been sort of the expectations for both of you when it comes to the next generation and being able to adapt to what their needs are and expectations are when it comes to, again, I mean, this generation is labeled as the one that doesn't want to work and wants all the money. doesn't matter what it is, you know, sort of give me whatever I can get to get money, you know, sort of generation, um, even though I don't see that with my kids. But that's what the label is from what I've talked to people and people expect. So so what how has it changed over the years and how do you see sort of combating those issues? Well, it, it comes to me being able to change as well. Um, and adapt to the, to the different needs of people. So I got to recognize it. And yeah, you know, we, 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 we come from what we might call a a group that lives to work. Um, But, you know, if you look at the European model, it's like they work to live. And, and this, that's what maybe this generation is doing. They, 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 
they they value their free time and their and their extra time and 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 how do we how do we adapt to that and work with that um and and some of that is you know i know some golf courses have have split crews where they work five on five off uh, five days on five off, five days off but they're working 10 days 10 hours a day so they're getting 50 hours in on those five days and there's one day that there may be overlapping so then they've got so because people value that time off and they got five days off instead of a two-day weekend or something like that and it's you know you have to have to be able to have the staff the crew to do that um and that might be hourly laborers but they can then they can do that and they can have those time off or even assistant superintendents giving them or assistant grounds managers. Um, Ross Kirkab always told me when he was with the Denver Broncos, he thought that they needed two, two, two field managers for the stadium. One that did the, the second shift and one did the first shift or something, you know, that especially now that they have all these other added events to them for concerts and things like that. And so being able to accommodate and give people their free time and not criticize them for wanting a day off or two days off or three days off to spend with their friends or family. That's, that's, that's where we have to, to be compassionate and recognize that that's, that's, that's the way it is. And that's the way it's going to be. And it shouldn't be burn yourself out. Cause you know, a lot of people I know, again, getting back to this mantra of the, the turfy, they will work and work and work until they don't, you know, but at the same time, don't burn them out. So I think it's just being able to see that and, and be cognitive of it. I don't know that I have much to add to that. I mean, it, we have to control our own burnout, right? Um, we need people around us that are going to help us control our burnout and balance it. And, you know, I've got guys that are like, do you ever take a day off? And I'm like, when I need it, I do, but I like what I do. I like the guys. I like the team I'm with here at work. It's we have just as much fun here as, you know, banter as if we were at home. I mean, so if I didn't like you people, I wouldn't be here. That's kind of what I tell them. But so you make it fun and enjoyable and again, I, I want to invest in them for as much as I can and make a difference in them. Even if they don't pick up being a sports surf manager, they're going to pick up that you gotta, you gotta find something that you, you can have fun doing. So you don't get burnt out. If you're not, you can have bad days. And that's what I tell them. You're going to have bad days. Everybody has bad days, but make those as minimal as you can and surround yourself with a bunch of fun people. So you can have fun while you're at work. And when you're away, I mean, it's, you get one, one, maybe I'm getting old my age, John, I'm, I'm right there with you and sentimental and stuff, but it's, you get one life, go make the best out of it. Don't, don't, don't suffer through something and lose the opportunity to enjoy what you got. And, you know, maybe that's my, my bathroom quote that I should write on the, the, the wall and somebody else can scrub off, but that's going on the back of the shirt of the turkey you got, shirt. You, you, you got to do it. I mean, Turfies rock. I mean, we know who we are and we're, we want to go get more of them. I mean, we want you to join our club. And again, the, if you, if you have 300 and you get 30 of them, take them because they're going to make the difference. And maybe they'll drag a friend along at some point. Um, you know, I shared a couple conferences ago. I have exposed a whole new community to what turf grass is about. So we got to share our message at our cocktail parties and the other groups we're around. I mean, uh, unfortunately, Dr. Sorokin's kids play soccer, so he's probably inundated with the conditions his field's on, so it's kind of overlap. Mine is, is I'm a hockey parent. My kids play ice hockey. I, I 
value good ice. I know what it takes because I know what turf takes and it's a surface thing. But I have exposed this whole hockey community to turf. And now they look at every field a little bit differently. And that's, that's my mark on them. I mean, you know, it's, they'll ask me questions about it. I, I can show them a field. I'm like, yep, I know that. I know who's there. Like whether it's the Super Bowl or another field, you get to brag about it. I think we need to be our own champions and that's going to get this exposure. And it's going to, it's going to realize that, yep, we're not just Elfin Magic doing it. We, we are passionate people that will do what it takes to get it done. It's just who we are. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree with you more on the, the, again, the communities and whatnot. I mean, in our time here at Brentsville, the the big ones that really exposed what we were doing was the national field of the year, you know, having people notice that and saying, hey, I played on that field, you know, from schools that are 45 minutes away and understanding the impact our students had on their experience there. I mean, we've had college coaches who are recruiting some of our players. They come up to us and like, this is the nicest field we've seen at a high school ever. And they're talking to my kids, not me, about it. And they come running to me in the class like, Mr. Miller, you have no idea what this guy just said. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> so things like that, that's what, again, the impact of having them being excited to the point where they're telling other people to just, again, gain that uh, exposure of the industry to our community and more than that, you know. Um, and something you said, Dr. Sorokin, it, it was segue perfectly into this next question. And it's sort of upsetting to me in a way, the way that things have happened in this industry, you know, at the professional level, there are a lot of events now, you know, there are so many things that, again, professional venues are looking for money and ways to make more money. But again, expect people like our sports turf manager in this industry to do more without being compensated, you know? Um, and I've seen personal friends of mine be impacted by this in a negative way, you know? Um, what have you guys seen any sort of notice from your superiors when there's a lack of labor and any way of helping with that? Because I think the trend in a lot of the professional sports venues that I have an issue with is you're bringing in whatever million dollars and you can't break off 10% of that to the grounds crew to help pay and compensate them for the extra work that you've added to what is just really supposed to be a field manager, you know? Um, have you guys seen any of that where you're working or anything along the lines where superiors are noticing the need and the help and are they actually helping? I, in some instances, yes. In some instances, no. Um, it's all about generating revenue. And unfortunately, I think for a lot of these stadiums, it's, it's driven by the marketing department and they are driven with how do we make as much money as we can for the venue or the owners or whatever it is. And so they've added these extra events and they don't change the budget to, uh, to the, to the field manager, even a resod job or something like that. They, just, they, they're really low on those. And uh, unless we had stadiums all like Vegas and, and Arizona, you know, it's, it's become a, it's, it's a challenge for sure. And we need to, that's, that's a part where we need to increase that awareness and visibility um, because I've seen a lot of professional sport field managers. Um, I've talked to a lot of them all the time in the, in the burnout factor. And it's not because they, they love what they're doing, the turf, but it's these other events and the stress and the pressure on them. When you've got concerts and truck and tractor pulls or hockey games or I, like ski jumps, whatever it is, there's, 
there's, there's something new every time top golf now has become the next big thing to beat up stadiums with. So it's, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot on them that they didn't sign up for and they're, and they do it. And that's, that's the challenge is it's, it's tough, but I don't, I don't, I don't see any, anything good in the near future coming from that, unfortunately. I guess the biggest thing that I can say is, is myself and um, my operations supervisor on my athletic team got to shine when Denver got the all-star game at the 11th hour. Basically we had six weeks to plan something that was supposed to take like two years, I guess. And we dove in and they were taking over places. MLB came in and wanted this, that, and the other. And then they started talking about logo painting. And I'm like, I looked at the guy and we, we've done it. It's like, you just tell me when and where. And so we actually got to showcase some of our skill set. And it really raised the bar for some of our facilities. I, you know, I've been trying to show them why we need a mower to highlight our, um, to do more patterns, to highlight some of our top end fields. So I worked with our vendor and said, hey, this thing's coming. What can you do for us? Can we borrow something for like two weeks? We've got it. Hands down, they dropped everything they could to get me, get me something. We showed them what we could do. And I engaged as much as my staff as I could in those processes to get them some ownership so they would have some pride in it. And it it just, I use that to elevate everything. That was motivation. But um, I even got my boss painting. I got pictures of him in his loafers. He's not wearing a suit and tie, but he's got good loafers on with his jeans and polo. But so he looks professional and he, and he's, and he's painting a logo in, in the middle of our civic center park. And, um, you know, we, 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 we just stepped up when we were asked in, in upper management leadership solid. And, you know, and we, I look at it as we showed them like a 64th of what we could do, but we just sat back and we embraced the opportunity and took it for what it was and, and just ran with it and, and showcased what we could do. And I'm sitting back and say, when can we do more? Because we're ready to do more. My team is ready to take on more and elevate our fields to the next level. I think the other thing is I finally worked. I worked really hard in the last like three years to our adult softball league puts out a survey and we finally have field conditions as part of that survey to their users. It's infield and grass. And so it's, it's, I split it up and I used some, again, some of the tools that STMAs put out and and just general knowledge to just, what do I kind of like, what kind of answer do I want? So I figured out what question to ask, you know, what am I willing to say and how do I get it for the beer league guy to give me a good answer? And we have shown nothing but positive, um, you know, in the, in the right direction of playability and safety and, you know, things that we can control that matter to us that justify our program with the results of that. And, you know, so really using the end users in those leagues that we run in-house to, to provide the, the positive to our leadership, to, to show the value that, of what we do and why we do it. I think I think the value thing is what we as an industry need to figure out how to express, you know, to again the groups that are going to be the ones that are going to impact whether or not this stuff changes, you know. Um if we could figure out the solution that'd be great, but I don't know who's going to figure out how to talk to the right people that'll make that impact, you know. Um and again with everything, I mean, working with the Players Association, Dr. Sorokin, that's a way, again, putting information out there and understanding that, you know, is huge, you know. I think I saw a tweet the other day from Reggie Bush. He was talking about 
uh, playing conditions, you know, and he's like, well, field turf is not safe for these players, blah, 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 blah. And then there was a whole street, uh, or I don't even know what it's called. I use it all the time. Don't know what it's called. Whole strand where someone else is like, well, that's true for professionals. But when you're talking about high schools and parks and rec, artificials way safer than poorly kept fields. And it's like, man, I wish I could just, you know, have an audience of these people and just say, you are completely wrong. <laughs> um, but Again, I, I hope there's a way we figure it out, uh, obviously, but um, it's definitely something that we as an industry need to try and work our best. And again, through the work is probably our best way of doing it, you know, figuring out a way to showcase, again, improvements, way we can improve, way they can help us improve is definitely big. Um, some of the other things that, again, a big part of the industry is Dr. Schrock and your program at Tennessee has always been one of the best in the country when it comes to producing turf managers throughout the industry. You know, um, what has it been like for you through, over the years, again, seeing your program develop and how do you see more influence from the industry to bring more students to your program and programs like, it, you know, they're all across the country. Um, but what is it industry professionals can do to better that enrollment yeah well and I, I think we've seen a change um you know 10 years ago 12 years ago it's uh, and it's more like 70 percent of the students want to be golf so that's always golf is always going to be a driver but um you know it used to be golf course superintendents would be like you don't want to do this for a living you don't want to do this for a living and i don't we don't hear that anymore i don't hear that as much anymore and so you know finding those people um, that want to be in it, identifying those people. Um, and it's, it's like a domino effect. Once students get into it, other students hear about it and then they want to get into it. Um, as Abby said, my kids play soccer. My, my, my oldest is a junior in high school. Um, and we have my colleague, Dr. Tom Samples, who's the world's nicest person. Um, we had t-shirts made of a caricature of his face that says, hello, friend, because he's everybody's friend. I'd say half of the Farragut High School soccer team wears these T-shirts. It's, they don't even know Tom Samples, but they all want to be in turf because of Tom Samples. So um, I think it's, you know, just trying to get people to know that this is a, it's a great career and the, the, the people that are in the industry to promote what they're doing and to say, yeah, this is a great, great industry for sure. Um, it's, it's, you know, it sucked that we haven't been to SDMA because, you know, I, 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 I miss getting to hang out and have my beer and a hug from Abby. You know, we, we, cause we've known each other for, from when we were both students um, years ago. And that was like, like five years ago, right, Abby. Um, <laughs> but we, we've known each other. So that's, that's trying to get people and that it's, it's a family as much as it is anything. So I look forward to, you know, and who doesn't want to be involved with that when you see these people that are your good friends all over the, all over the world, really, but for sure all over the country easily. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've taken my kids every trip we take, whether it's hockey related or a tournament somewhere or it's a family vacation, we visit somebody that's turf related. It is, I mean, you know, to me, the STMA and the turf world for me is is my family. <laughs> my real family is along for the ride to this grass adventure. Um, and I've exposed a whole nother group of people, like I said, this, you know, with my kids playing competitive sports that have that has nothing to do with my job or my career. They know about it. Um, you know, we're, whenever we go on a hockey tournament trip, I find out who can I bring along to go see stuff. Um, you know, we go, we go to a vendor to, we go to fields 
And, you know, to me, it is that exposure. You know, John, next time I'm through Tennessee, we're stopping to see you. But it's it's <laughs> it, it's it's what you do. I mean, we are a network of family. And, and, and Drew, I'll tell you, if there is any high school kid or John, any kid that I can help talk to and give them my perspective of anything I've been through, I am here to help somebody figure it out. You're either a turfy or not. I'll spin you. I'll work, I'll work hard to get you on, on, on the right side of the fence, but in, that's what I want to do. I came back to parks and recreation after several stops and all the professional stuff because I wanted to give back. And it wasn't just to the community it was give back my knowledge to the people around me and to make a difference um, in a program. And I look at what we've been able to do and the staff I've pulled together the investment that was there on the table for the taking and, and we've run with it. I mean, I'm proud of our capital improvement projects that we've done. And I, and I share that with anybody that wants to see it because that's the citizens money going right back to their program. And we have a hand in how we help facilitate that. So, you know, that to me is, is my spin on everything is, is it's, it's a, it's a family affair, John, maybe it's turfy families. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they should have like <laughs> turf, turfy family 2.0, by the way, for all of those, we're going to work a lot of weird hours and we're going to complain about a lot of weird stuff on TV, but it's, it's, it's our job. It's our passion. It's our life. So. I, I think that's the biggest thing. Again, being an educator is having the industry professionals just being open to talking to people, you know, um, things like this, you know, where we were stuck in COVID and we had the opportunity to again, meet again and, I mean, we're up to, I think, 60, to, 60 times now where our students have had the opportunity to meet with different industry professionals, being able to listen back to these podcasts and having the information and the stories that come with it, you know, being able to receive and interpret in their own way what can be and what could be, you know, if they really want to. You know, I have a few sophomores who have come to me after listening to a couple episodes. They're like, this just seems like the coolest thing ever. And it's something that I really want to do. Um I actually have a student who's interested in Tennessee, just a heads up, Dr. Sorokin. Uh, I'll let you know why it's a good kid and he's definitely interested yeah. in Tennessee. So, uh, awesome. yeah, the, it's just, it's great to have industry professionals take that time. You know, um, we talked to, about Julie before hers was uh, Nicole Sherry. We had a uh, field trip. That's sort of how all this came up. It was like the second week of COVID and everything was shut down. And I messaged her. I was like, hey, maybe we could do like a, a field trip of Camden Yards, you know, virtually. Um, and I think I think that's the biggest impact that any sports turf golf course manager can have right now is you don't actually have to leave your facility to make it more aware in your community. You know, whether it's programs like mine or if it's a biology class, you know, um, just giving them the opportunity to see the career of what a sports turf manager does and how these different scientific aspects go into it, you know? Um, and I think that'll be the real big change of bringing in the new generation, you know, um, and bring more people to enroll in your programs, Dr. Shrokin. Um, which again, with all of that, it's sort of important how we educate in a sense as high school teachers, as, uh, industry professionals, when we have young workers, um, is there anything that you guys do that sort of changes based on the different types of kids or different types of young individuals you work with, uh, whether that's in the classroom or on the research center, Dr. Sorokin, or um, 
in your work. Sorry, my dog's going crazy. <laughs> but what is it for you that you sort of adapt to when it comes to the students you're working with? Well, we, we you know, we recruit like, like, like our athletic department does. Uh, you know, when you said you've got a student that is interested, in maybe come to Tennessee, I can't wait for them to come visit and bring, bring their parents. And, you know, our athletic department, like I said, will will hire any of the students, like if they want to work on the golf facility or at the sports fields, or we hire them, but we, we, they open their facilities to us as well. So there's nothing better than taking a student to show them all the research we're doing. And I think we really emphasize because we do a lot of research, a lot at UT, like a lot of universities, but the students are going to get that in the class and what's the latest in the research. So they're getting it quote unquote from the horse's mouth, maybe um, what's some of the latest stuff to taking them. And there's nothing like taking a, a high school kid and their mom and dad um, to Neyland stadium and walking them onto the field and to the locker rooms and to the football practice facility and the baseball stadium and into the locker rooms. And we get, we got open reign to do all that. And it's like, they're like a, like a football or a baseball or a, you know, softball recruit and they're getting that same, same treatment. And I think that's something that we, we want to say is we care about you um, and we're going to care about your future. And I, and it's also getting to the parents and telling them, you know, the nice thing about coming to uh, into this program is we want them to be successful because they're a reflection of our university, just like their reflection of you as their parents. And we're going to make sure that they do what they need to do to, to be in good hands and be successful people. So, um, that's, that's our goal. Um, and that's what we do. And we're, we're pretty passionate about it along those ways. So it's, it's good. And I think we, we, a, a big thing is, you know, also, you know, more women in turf. I mean, you just mentioned there's, there's some of the best, easily the best sports field managers out there. And, you know, but just Colorado alone with Christy son and Abby. And, you know, there's just so many, I could go on a Sarah. There's, oh, I Sarah's don't know how part. you guys do what you do out there, you know, with all the snow and everything, it's incredible. Like all that you do and the level and the, it's just amazing. Sorry to interrupt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, but it's just, I mean, there's, there's, they're underrepresented in, in our industry, but it's easy to see we've got a turfy right here with, with Abby that shows there's, there's, so we got to look at a lot of the, trying to get minorities in, in there. I've got a, a UT football player. He's a defensive lineman from Huntsville, Alabama. And he's, he didn't know that there's a career in turf. And now he's, you know, he's a six foot two, 300 and well plus athlete, <laughs> but he just loves it. He's a big, big teddy bear about it, but he's like, this is really a, an opportunity for me to be in this industry. So it's, it's really cool to, to try to get that. And, you know, look, have that vision to look at, there's trying to get more people exposed to this career stay in the game campaign for them. There you go. There's the other one. Stay in the game. There's another tagline for you. I really think there's a lot more turfies out there and sports turf managers that will um, share their stories and share the opportunities and open their doors. Some of them just have to be asked or nudged to do it. Um, You know, I, I welcome anybody. I know that, you know, I'm sure Sun and Christy would welcome anybody to their facility. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's more just that it's out there and look at the different mm-hmm. levels of opportunity. Look at the success at the high school level that they have, or even your program, look at the success we can have in parks and recreation. It's not all about all those fields that are on TV all the time. It's a, it's about the difference you can make and the impact you can have in that moment, whether it is a, a high end setting of an all-star game, or it is, 
a setting where you just made a difference in a kid's backyard field that he goes and plays at. It's it's rewarding just the same if you sell if you sell the story correctly, and that's that's the give back that my guys have. And and I we have I think sixty plus years combined between three of us, three of the six on the team. And you know my motivation to them is you get to take what you've learned elsewhere and let's go make a difference. Let's go make an impact that'll last. You know that's our footprint. That's our lasting print that we're going to make in this community. You have 70, 72 infields that need lots of love and we're touching every single one of them. And we're making a, you know, fast and furious, making that impact. We're reestablishing the bar to where other municipalities are coming to us saying, what are you doing? Because that's all I hear is go find out what she's doing. Go find out what Abby's doing down there. So our reputation is, is our, is our results. And as soon as I get one of those, I, I meet and greet them. And then I, I just turn them over to my team and sit back. Mm-hmm. I can answer the questions of how I went and got the funding and how we spend our funding, but it's boots on the ground to boots on the ground conversations. And, and, and we're here to help everybody. I mean, I'm here to help. I, I, I found a way to make it happen, right? It goes back to what we do. We find a way to make it happen. I found a way to make a big difference here in, in the right way. We had all the tools. We just had to get the right people and the right investment and make it and, and, and go with it. So I, lo- I love the open door policy too, because when I got to Tennessee, you know, 20 years ago, Bobby Campbell was the field manager, um, past president of STMA and late, late Bobby Campbell now, unfortunately, but he, he always had the, the gate open for Newland stadium. And I remember being down there in the middle of the summer once, and this this family was driving through because Knoxville's on I-75 and I-40 come together. So a lot of interstate traffic. And this family said, I wonder if we can just go see Neyland Stadium. And Bobby's letting his family, let the little kid running all in the field. And he's like, you never know, that might be our next a future turf manager right there. And he sees, but the family, all of them, from the kids to the parents, see that they're working on that field in, in June. And the first football game is not till August. So it's not... For the seven days, they don't just work seven days a year for seven football games. It's getting that canvas ready year round. So he he always thought that that was important to be able to do is let people see that. I think that's kind of, you know, just like if I had students from Colorado call me, I would say, go see Abby, go see. I, I'd have a handful of people to say, go pick them. When, that's when I get, especially high school kids, because I've, I've got a group, if they want to get into the industry, you go work at this golf course or this sports field, because I know that they're going to give you a positive experience to want to be in this industry for sure. And I think that's key. And I love how you were saying, it doesn't matter what level you're at. Um, you're making memories. You know, I always go back to when I was a kid and I had a home run during the seventh inning of my championship game to win mm-hmm. the season, you know, the season championship. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't have been possible without Ray, the guy who always took care of the fields and everything. So that's the big thing is understanding there's so much more than just turf management in the industry. You know, this is the place where we make memories happen because all those nine to five jobs who have kids take them to their local parks and rec, play baseball, t-ball, soccer, yeah. whatever it is. It's all results of what sports turf managers do. And the other thing that was incredible, you guys said, was the stay to play, you know, that I think is the biggest untapped potential for the next generation of sports managers. There are thousands, if not millions of student kids, high school students that will never play at the next level, you know, that will never make the opportunity of playing anything remotely close to professional, but they love what the sport is and they want to stay in it. And they're trying to find a way to do that. And if we just say, Hey, 
You get to be on the field managing it for the entire time. You got front row tickets to every sport that you love, you know. Why don't you take the opportunity to be a sports store manager? You know, I feel like that's one of the biggest things as the industry or as the STMA could do to really make that impact, you know, and tap that again large number of youth, you know, to again join the industry and be that next generation. So I, I love that as well. Um I usually wrap it up on these last two questions. And Abby, I know you need to go to a meeting. I think you might be in it. Um, I called in on a different phone. I'll, I'll listen in. <laughs> to do your multitask. That's see? the next meeting right there. There you go. There you go. Um, with everything, um, what would be one thing, again, you guys had such incredible careers and you may had such a large impact on this industry. And I'm so grateful for being a young industry worker and, being able to have the opportunity that I do now, what was something that you wish you knew when you first started? Maybe not to make it easier or better or anything like that, but what would you have liked to know when you first started and why when it comes to your career and what you've been through? Go ahead, Abby. That's a tough oh, one. <laughs> I, I, I make you go. Um, what do I wish I knew? And what could I tell somebody else? Um, to me, the biggest thing I wish I, I, two, I guess two things, have patience, learn as much as you can along the road, you know, as you, as you get there, don't, don't go for the top. Cause I think the people that go for the top burn out, but get, get yourself the opportunities to get yourself there to, 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 to be successful. And your biggest competitors down the street, but they're going to be your biggest champion for you. Be willing to pick up the phone and ask for help because somebody's done it before. And then be there for that next person that needs that same answer from you down the way. So, and we're turfies. We make memories. There's your shirt. That's, and that's, that's probably the segue to what I was, because that's, I, I think, I, I was asked to give this was several years ago a commencement talk for graduation at uh, Michigan State University, my alma mater, and and their two year turf program. And you know, I was at Michigan State for eleven years, so a lot of people say I wish I would have done this or that when I was in college. I'm I'm that person that says I probably shouldn't have done that or that while I was there. So I, I don't have anything that, like that, honestly, about my industry except for. I wish I would have had a better way to keep track of and, and I would have done a better job um, because it predated cell phones with uh, cameras as many pictures and, and memories as I could have. Um, you know, the thing I, I, I look back and we actually gave my, uh, my lab a big clean through my grad students and technicians today. And we're going through stuff I had from Michigan state. And when I first got to UT, and I look at some old exams I had of students from 2002 and I'm like, wow, that's a long time ago. And I, I, I really wish I knew where every one of those students was and I could talk to them every day because I'm just so proud of, you know, just the pride you have of all of those people that have come through. And, are, and so that's, I guess, the only thing I wish I could do is have a better memory and uh, or, or just would have kept better track of, of the students that have come through the program. Awesome. And I love, love both those. Um, the last thing, and I, it's a little tweak because again, with everything that we're going to be doing at the general session, what would be your pitch again to someone like my student 
to join this industry and what would be your like best reasoning or words of advice to someone who's very interested but hasn't reached that peak where they're wanting to do that so here an example we're going to SDMA with like five of our students so it's really great and it's gonna be a lot of fun one of my students is very intrigued and wants to pursue a job before entering a degree so he's hoping to work for chad price down at carolina green um before doing a certificate or doing something online so that he can still work um but he wants to again see so what would be something you would tell him to sort of say hey this would be the opportunity of a lifetime for you and whoever wants to go <laughs> i can give you guys a little bit to think about that <laughs> well i can because we we've we've created uh um advertising brochures to try to get people into the industry and things or whatever and it's like you know one of them has a nice picture of an island green with a palm tree and says you know who wouldn't want an a, you know an, a lake and a and a palm tree in your in your office and the other one is we show the checkerboard at ut end zone and says you don't need four four speed to get to the end zone you know turf grass science and management come for a career um so you, you get, you're on the field, you're part of the team, you're part of the game. I think uh, the, for that student going, you know, Chad's great. Chad is, is, is one of my, my favorite people and one of my be better friends. I, I, I do a lot and Chad's a huge supporter of our program and um, he's a great person to go work for and it'd be a great experience to go do for sure. I've had a student that came from Cincinnati and he wanted to get experience out of high school before he came here. So I actually helped get him a job with back when Stephen Lord was with the Reds, for instance, to go be, while he was in high school just to get that experience before he came because he knew he wanted to be a sports turf manager. Um, I think there's that. But the other thing is, is you can't take your education away from you. And if they're still young, get that experience. But, you know, you can always lose a job or whatever. But you, if, if get that get that degree and it, it, there's the certificate, that's good. But if you continue in your education and continuing to always learn, that's why it was hard not having STMA in person last year um, is because you see Abby and, you know, she's, she's going and always wanting to learn. And I'm always going to learn. I'm going to this meeting, not just to present, but I learn from other people and I go to learn from whether it's sports field managers. So always be learning too. So tell them not to give up. Always, you're always going to be learning. It's a science. You always have to learn. It's ever evolving. It's ever changing. You've got to keep it. Ross used to always tell us, got to take grounders. You know, you can't, I mean, baseball players are constantly taking grounders. Football players are constantly catching passes or throwing passes. They're working on their basic skill set to always continue to make them better. And um, I think we, we always have to do that. We always have to get the latest and greatest and it's, and it's knowledge at all levels. And you've got to keep willing to learn. I think the more you can expose yourself to all facets that are out there, the better off you can find somebody that's going to let you ask a thousand and two questions and then be that person to answer those questions the best you can or guide them and influence them. Um, you know, I mean, that's, it's just, you, you, you gotta, you gotta drive them and you gotta push them and we gotta have more people like, like John and I that are willing to, to answer these questions and expose ourselves. And John, I have slides still. I have a slide tray from one of my first presentations ever. It's making me, and I, I'm not even a grad student, I'm far from it, but I still have the, the slides in the carousel and <laughs> I'm going to show it to my kids and see if they can figure out what the heck it is. Um, but, I found those in my uh, my lab today. I got a whole, I've got 
thousand slides. I just bought a slide scanner today, actually. So that's kind of the irony. And and, and Drew, tell your your students we're geeky still because of that. And look how far, it's really not that far away because they're going to be geeky about something they're dealing with right now that's technology based. And you know, just be open. The world, the world's an avenue. Go, go see people, reach out and ask, ask somebody to ask for you. You know, can you get me, I'm stopping through Knoxville. Hey, John, could you, could you let so-and-so in the gate kind of thing? You know, just mm-hmm. don't break in, ask permission. We'll show you, you know, I mean, I, I, I actually love some of the, the commercials that Baker Mayfield's doing. I mean, it's showcasing somebody's great work and in the background, there's so much more that can come from it. I mean, it's not demeaning of it, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's him embracing that's his house. That's where he works. And we're doing the same thing. We want to show off our stuff. Um, and, and just, you know, we're prideful people, but we screw up just like everybody else. We just don't, you know, you just don't want to get caught doing it. <laughs> Sprinklers are going to go off on somebody. Somebody's going to get rolled up in a tarp. But at the end of the day, we need to make sure it's a positive message that, that it's out there. And, you know, mm-hmm. we do a lot more now than I, there's days when I'm so far removed from turf that I all of a sudden get to talk about it and guys can't shut me up because I'm just, it gets stretched far, far away from it, but it immediately comes right back. This conversation is ending my day here with such energy. It's phenomenal. I appreciate it. This is, this is great for me. This is positive for me to get to talk about it and answer the questions and share and now I can't wait for STMA, right? You know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a good thing, you know. So I, I appreciate the opportunity to to participate. So thanks for asking me. Yes, here here. No, thank you guys for taking the time. It was awesome. I think I think this shows that it'll be a pretty great time for the general session. Hopefully, everybody's there, you know, uh, to see it. But I can't thank you guys enough for taking the time and being inspiration for kids that again our kids listen to these all the time and it's definitely going to be great for them to hear um, i'm excited for the five that are going uh they're great kids all interested in everything that we're doing so um it should be a lot of fun and again i can't thank you guys enough for taking the time no problem that's good thank you all right so who's making the shirts are we are we busting these out do i need to get on <laughs> i'll my- look into it Email me shirt sizes. I'll see if I can get them before general session. You know, you guys get the banana bottoms. I'll bring the shirts. We got this. I got it. Kristen, I don't know. I mean, I want to do a heads up. It's happening, Kristen. This is going to happen. Yeah. I mean, Tyler, we're going to call you. We need to get, (laughs) we're going to need to get your stuff. We're going to make pajama bottoms professional. (laughs) (laughs) We we got to call Carl Stanley and all the guys over in the Premier League. Pajama bottoms are professional now. They they have to be the ones up though, you know. So (laughs) I'm I'm all in, but I I, I, Drew, I appreciate it. John, I appreciate you always. I've I've loved when you started talking about your starting days at Michigan State. I was like, I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, we go back a few years, yes, for yeah, sure. Yeah, we do go back a lot of times, but I, I just, you know, again, this is, this is, this is just a great experience, and I appreciate being a part of it. And if I can help any kid continue their passion, I'm gonna, I'm, I'll share the real life stories. It's yeah. not all pretty, as we all know, but you know what? We, we're still here, and look how much fun we're having. Mm-hmm. So, that's how yeah. I look at it. Definitely. Awesome.